All right, let's bring in a former big leaguer right now and now a part of uh, the team right now, the talk of the offseason. Chris Archer joining us for the first time on FC Live. Chris, great to see you, dude. How's life right now? Life is good. Life is good. Bronny, we've been talking for the last few months about getting on here, so I'm, I'm happy that I was finally able to jump on with you guys. Dude, we we picked a good day, too. So, uh, obviously, you know, we just talked to Wash. Let's just start here. It's MLK Day. What is, what does the day mean to you and also to relate it to baseball? One idea Wash brought up was he said he feels like, you know, most teams have Latin coaches. Um, there are not enough black coaches for each team. Do you agree with that? I mean, I would love to see more representation. Um, but I, I do understand that it takes time for these things to happen. Um, one thing that that I love to talk about are the initiatives, um, the RBI program, the Dream Series that was just over this last weekend, uh, the amount of Black American players that have been getting drafted the last several years kind of shows MLB's investment into the community is starting, the seeds are starting to be planted um, and we're we're seeing some fruit from those seeds as well. So I like to lean into those ideas more. Um, and I think MLB is doing a good job. So obviously MLK means a lot to the United States. Um, you know, things aren't perfect, but they're in a much better place than they were in the 50s and 60s when he was doing uh, his campaigning and his march and his speeches. And um, I. I can't say I'm satisfied with the state of black Americans in baseball, but I can see a nice trajectory going forward. Chris, some of the initiatives we've already talked about RBI and, and some of the other things, the dream series, all those things you're talking about, but, but how do we get these kids to play baseball more? I know, I know these series are a nice first step, but how do we actually get in and get them away from football, get them away from basketball <laughs> and get them to find the love of baseball that obviously you had at a young age? Oh man, AJ, that's a that's something I've thought about a lot. Um, I don't know if there's an answer. I think making the game cooler is is helping. Um, you know, whenever I used to backpedal off the mound and kiss my bicep, people would get upset. But now things like that are celebrated, which makes it cooler. But I'll, I'll say this: that it's always going to be a challenge because basketball and football, there's more instant gratification, right? You go to a D1 college and your games are on national television on the weekend. Uh, if you go to a D1 college in baseball, unless you have the SEC network, you know you're not you're not really on the you're not really nationally broadcast. It's more regional, like the game of baseball itself. Um, so it's always going to be a challenge because I think a lot of people get enamored with that instant gratification, but AJ, Kratzy, I mean, y'all know, like, even for somebody like myself, I spent seven years in the minors before I made it to the big leagues. That's a long time. And it just doesn't seem, it's not that enticing when you can go play two to three years at University of Texas. Um, you can get NIL money, like big NIL money. NIL money is not that big in, in Division One baseball. It's there, but it's not nearly the magnitude of basketball and football. But you can go to these large programs. Uh, you can be seen every single Saturday. Um, and then every single Sunday, once you get drafted, you're going to be seen as well. And it's just not that straightforward. 
Um, and I think in certain communities, it's more enticing to try to, to play those sports where you can become famous or uh, monetarily um, sound or equipped sooner. Is that why you signed on with the Dodgers now for instant gratification? Like you're just trying to, you're like, oh, Shohei, okay, Yamamoto, yeah, I'm a, I'm a go over here now. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> that's funny. That's that's a great pivot. Um, you guys are getting good at TV, Kratzy. You're getting good at TV, bro. Um, but no, like the process with me started in the summer. Uh, I went to Andrew Friedman's house. And we were talking through next steps. I have I have a lot of respect for Andrew Friedman. He was the GM uh, when I was in Tampa. I signed a deal in 2014, which is crazy that that's 10 years ago now. But I signed a deal, and I worked directly with him uh, on that deal. And you know, throughout my time there, we we collaborated a lot. It's somebody I trust, and I said, "Hey, like this is what I'm thinking." Um, and he's like, Hey, I've, I've done this with other guys before. And he named a couple guys, Gabe Kapler, Rocco Baldelli, uh, amongst others. And he said, Hey, I've done this before. Let's put you on the path to be well-rounded in the sport. So if you want to manage one day, you can, if you want to be in the front office one day, you can, if you want to put the uniform back on in any way you can. Um, and it, it just, it just made too much sense. You know, it had a lot to do with the brand, obviously, of the Dodgers. But after that conversation, I, I went to Instructs and I saw how they run their farm system. I, I've been a part of three or four other teams, you know, whether it be in the minor leagues or the major leagues. And there was no, I've never seen an operation like that. I've never seen the level of care. I've never seen the amount of resources. Um, and I don't want to overshare, but. Um, I, I spoke to a couple other clubs and it just made so much sense with the relationship I have with Andrew Friedman, um, the amount of flexibility and curiosity that they were going to allow me to satisfy. And, and, and the fact that it is the Dodgers, we know, we know that the Dodgers, if you don't think they're number one baseball organization, then you think they're number two. And I just, I think there's all pros. I'm going to learn so much. And, I, and I'm going to be able to give as well because I'm looking forward to working with some of the younger guys. All right. So let's go back to 2010 when we were in the pre-Mundial together and you were mm -hmm. like 21, 22 years old. Now to 2024. Can't believe it's been 14 years since we played together. What is 2010 Chris Archer telling 2024 Chris Archer is he because you weren't a big leaguer at that point we were on Team USA together you dominated Cuba that had Jose Abreu on it you struck out like 10 of the like 12 dudes that you faced it was incredible <laughs> but what is the 2010 Chris Archer telling the 2024 Chris Archer that's now starting a new a new focus like you wanted to be a big leaguer what does 2024 Chris Archer want to do as he's starting this new focus, new career? Kratzy, that's a good question. Uh, I've actually never, no one ever asked that type of question. They usually ask, what would the 2024 version ask the younger version? Yeah, so um, just off the top of my head, and, and you did a lot of this, and I know that TV is your thing, but I could definitely see you, you know, leading a team in some way. Probably 
and that 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 top spot in the dugout. Um, but being able to take the things that I've learned and <clears throat> excuse me, have empathy for that tw- that twenty two thousand ten version, right? That twenty one, twenty two year old. I mean, I did well that game, but you know, the game before that, I pitched against the DR who had like a 38-year-old Tony Bautista who took me deep. So it's, it's, it's more about channeling, you know, that wide-open stance. I hung a slider. Like, I did him a favor, right? Like, there's no reason I should be even throwing the guy a breaking ball. Like, you know. But anyways, it's, it's going back and thinking, okay, yes, there's a lot of success, but how do we handle adversity? How, how, did, how do we get here? And remember, there's going to be bumps along the way. So the, the younger version of myself, is going to have to remind the 35-year-old Chris Archer, be patient. You're working with 21-year-olds. They just got promoted to this level. Success isn't instant. We, I think we get caught up sometimes, like if a guy gets called up to the big leagues or gets called up to a new level, double-A, triple-A, whatever it may be, and we forget that it takes time to develop. Like the minor leagues is very developmental. Um, so I'll, I'll have to, you know, Mike Trout was on our team, and I'll have to, remind my younger self will have to remind my older self even Mike Trout when he got to the big leagues he got demoted I don't know what the reason was I don't know if you know Torrey Hunter got hurt and it was just a temporary 10-day IL type situation and or or if he hit 100 and they didn't think he was ready but I'm always going to try to keep at the forefront of my mind that this is developmental and not to be too harsh or rash or quick to evaluate one way or the other, good or bad. Chris, you, you mentioned your work for Andrew Friedman. Do you ever yell at him for trading you to Pittsburgh? Say, why do you just leave me in Tampa Bay? You could have just kept me in Tampa Bay forever. I mean, do you ever go up to him and say, why? Now you got Tyler Glass now, one of the guys you were traded for. So, I mean, I would be like, hey, Andrew, why why'd you trade me? So he had already gone to the Dodgers at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why yeah. he's signing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was different. Jam. That was Neander. Oh, it was Neander. Yeah, it was Eric Neander. But I, I will say this. Um, you know, I signed my contract, like, with Joe Madden as the manager. Andrew Friedman was the GM. They had that clause similar to what Shohei has. Joe said Joe had a clause in his contract. If the GM leaves, then I, I can leave. So they both left after the same year that I signed. 2014 by the time we got to september they were both gone um and and one reason why i respect andrew is because you know he 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 circled back as he was moving out um it was later it may have been like early 2015 like january something we sat down and you know we we had a conversation about it and it was man to man it wasn't like he hid from um from from the situation and that really helped me learn the business aspects um, certain things can be one way today and six months from now they can change. And I'm not saying I always handled baseball business perfectly, but one reason why I respect Andrew is because the transparency and his willingness to sit down with me after he traded me after signing a deal with a completely different team, you know, as far as leadership. Hey, Chris, I want to ask you about um, playing days and you know why you decided this was the time. Can you t- give us the play-by-play of what was going on in your brain over the past, whatever amount of time it's been that you started to think, hey, I'm going to 
move on to the next chapter of life in baseball and my career? Yeah, I think it boils down, and, and these guys on here know, I, I think it boils down to just like health. Uh, my body just didn't feel great, and the competition was no longer me versus the batter. It was a lot of it was internal, just kind of fighting, fighting some injuries and fighting some stuff that was just inevitable. It was like, I just have to push through this. There was nothing that, that had to be addressed surgically. Um, I wasn't willing to have any more surgeries. I had three in three years and that was hard enough. So it just, the relationship with playing the game changed a little bit. And for me, you know, my mom, she's not with us anymore, but she told me when, when you don't love the game anymore, then it's time to hang it up. Well, and you know, I always wanted to play till I was 40 years old. I wanted to be out there like Rich Hill, <laughs> like, you know, 43, 44 years old, still pushing, still a high quality pitcher. But once my body started to fall apart, my relationship with the game changed. I love, absolutely loved competing. I miss it. But not being able to compete at even like probably an 85% level, it wasn't that fun anymore. It's The game is way too hard. Guys throw way – the guys throw gas now. Their sliders are disgusting. Change up – you know, the arsenals these guys have now and, and myself at 85%, it just wasn't the same. And once I started to feel that way, I knew I knew it was time. So I gave it all I had with uh, with Minnesota in 2022. It was actually one of the one of my favorite seasons I ever had. That that club was amazing. You know, I got to re, reunite with Rocco uh, from Tampa. Um, Byron Buxton, he was he was healthy for um, I think like half of that season, maybe a little bit more. He's he is the most electric player I've ever seen in my life, and his personality is unbelievable. This guy cares so so much. Um, there's so much passion in that guy. Um, and I played with Carlos Correa, which was really, really fun. Um, and and the, and the city of Minnesota was really cool. I made some really great friends. So it just felt like after 2022 um, and I was training in 23 and the offers weren't like in line with what I thought I was worth. I was like, you know what? 2022 was a great year. Do I want to do I want to go out any other way? I, I felt like it was just the right time. I, I said a lot of words there, but. It just felt like the right time to me. And I knew that I could call some people and get some guidance on what's next. And I was able to lean on on several different people. And it, it landed me with a really good opportunity to learn, grow, and give back to the game. Chris, it catches up to all of us, trust me. You're, you're not, I mean, eventually, there's nobody that plays forever, and eventually it catches up to all of us. So. That was a great answer there. And I don't know if you remember this. In 2022, I was doing a game, Minnesota, and there was a rain delay. And I came down and was in the equipment guy, Hot Rod, the equipment guy for Minnesota's uh, office. And you were in there, and I think Dylan Bundy was in there. And I sat down and was – I never really talked to you. And we were talking a little bit. And you were like, man, all we do is go five innings. They won't let us go five innings. And I think you you know, you know, and Dylan both were like, we only go five innings every time. I want to go deeper. So now you work for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the king of, like, scripting the game, only letting pitchers go five innings. So if you change your tune now and you're more of an analytics guy where, oh, starters can only go five innings. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this, this is what I'll say about that. 
if my guy, the guy that's on the mound does not want to go further than that, I don't really want him on the mound. So I want all my guys to have that mentality, even if, even if we don't think that's the right move, right? Um, it may cause a little strife, may cause a little friction, but I'd rather my guy be out there and be a dog than be like, mm, I'm good with, I'm good with this, you know? <laughs> so, and look, like so, some of my shortness and starts was due to health. Um, like I said, it was 2022 was a struggle. The first half I felt really, really good. But uh, the second half was was a big, big struggle. And I hadn't pitched hardly for the previous two seasons. So, you know, in the moment, yeah, of course, I want to get, I want to squeak as many outs as I possibly can, especially, you know, I, I had like four straight seasons where I averaged 200 innings. So, like, I know how valuable that can be. Um, but there's there's limitations and it kind of showed up for for both of us Dylan Bundy and, and I it kind of showed up that being removed a little earlier probably was the best for the team even though we we hated it we wanted to be out there and you know I know Bundy specifically got into it with uh with some different people on the staff but it was it was like healthy because it's like all right Bundy I love the fact that you want the ball um, sometimes as athletes, we can be a little delusional, but I rather, I rather err on the side of delusional confidence than being super insecure. Yeah. Well, well put. All right. So th- this is the last one I got to ask. Cause you know, I've known you for a long time and we go back earlier, early, early to your career and you would do interviews. Even I think sometimes from the dugout on an off day that you're not pitching and you know, cause I'll say you won't, people were like, this is the kind of player that we need speaking. We need answers like this. Someone who just talks like a real person, not the cookie cutter answers. He's fun. He's exciting. Obviously what you're doing on the mound. So, you know, you heard it at an early age. People were like, he's got to be a broadcaster. I think you might've even, I don't know, maybe you did a game or something like that. So has that been on your mind at all? Or do you really want to take the you know more hardcore baseball coaching front office kind of route? Yeah, I well, thank you for those compliments, Bronny. Um, we we have known each other for like ten plus years. Yeah, back when you were like a little skinnier, now you're all ripped and jacked and stuff. You know, <laughs> wear your hair. Had, they were making fun of me. Please don't. They were making fun of me. I looked like I was fourteen on MLB Network. I was like, Dude, Chris, he just wears tighter shirts now. Okay, he just wears. <laughs> he, he went from medium shirts to extra small shirts. I know that trick. I have the same problem. I have the same Euro problem. Fit. It's a Euro fit. <laughs> slim fit. Ultra slim. Hey, Chris knows. Chris is Jack too, so he knows. <laughs> but no, um, I think the nice thing about the job that I landed with the Dodgers is it, it allows me flexibility. Um, so I, I confided in Gabe Kapler a little bit. He's a close friend of mine. We connected in 2012 in spring training. And we've kind of just stayed connected throughout his whole journey into what, and he's in the front office now, but he's managed two clubs. Uh, He's been the farm director. He's kind of touched, he's done broadcast, kind of touched it all. And, you know, this, the flexibility with this position that I have with, with the Dodgers, it allows me an opportunity to do other things. So given the right opportunity, as long as there was no conflict uh, with the Dodgers, because I do want to take that serious. I don't want to be, um, I want to be in rooms where decisions are being made 
And if that makes the Dodgers uncomfortable, then I might shy away from that for now. But if there's something straightforward I can do, like just calling a game or being the color person, um, and, and it's 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 something that won't deter from my goals with the Dodgers, then I'm all for it. And I've I've spoken to a couple different networks, explored some ideas, uh, you know, because baseball does need a, a little bit better coverage. I mean, we have you guys, and we have some other podcasts and some. But we we just need we need more, um, and I, I feel like I could I could add a dynamic. I don't think I could carry a show necessarily, but I could add a fun dynamic and and have some insight that might be different than others. A couple of things here. One, you're welcome to join our show anytime. We can, <laughs> we can I got you can take Scott's place. Just you have to get super small shirts. You can sit <laughs> next to me in Orlando here. You just uh, said carry a show, AJ. No, he said he didn't want to carry a show. I know, that's the only reason I'm here. I'm just a little point guard. That's why I said, (laughs) you take your place, it'd be perfect. And then, then Chris, also, I'm going to say this. The only thing, you know, you're talking about doing TV and, you know, you're in the front office of the Dodgers. Remember, like, I think it was Jessica Mendoza and maybe even David Ross, they were working for specific teams. And teams started not letting them come to meetings with the managers because they didn't want them stealing their information. So, it's a little bit of a, 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 a fine line you got to work there because if you let's say let's say if you go to work for you know Fox, ESPN, MLB Network, whatever it is, and you're doing a Giants Padres game, and they know you work for the Dodgers, you walk in there to talk to the manager Mike Schilt and Bob Melvin, they're not going to give you all their secrets because guess <laughs> what, you're going to run back to Andrew Friedman and be like, hey, you know what the Padres are doing, you know what the Giants are doing, so enjoy your time and there's plenty of time to get into TV if you want to get into it. But, hey, enjoy your time with the Dodgers. And if they're giving you freedom to do a lot of things, use that time and use that freedom to do whatever you want to do. That's great advice. Um, I've been calling around. I definitely – I would rather be really good at this. And in four to five years, if I want to pivot fully, I'll pivot and be really good at that. I really don't want any conflict because I do want to see how – the inner workings of, of, of transactions and free agency and scouting and the draft and trade deadline. I want to, I want to see that I think a little bit more than I want to do broadcast, but if there's an opportunity to maybe add some color, like I said, not, not do in-depth hit pieces, interviews. Um, If there's an opportunity to pop on with you guys, like on a semi-regular basis, something like that, and it's no conflict. I'd love to do that. Yeah, that's the spot. I like that. And then ultimately, president of baseball operations, because the big boys are making the big bucks in those jobs. <laughs> you can make ten mil a year in those jobs. Some of them now, you know, it's not like when you came into the league. You run a front office the right way. You see, Anthopoulos just signed for how many more years? He signed through twenty thirty one. Hey, he deserves it. He's crushing it. But those jobs are getting rewarded too. So you got a lot of potential to do a lot of different things. Um, so excited to see the path, dude, obviously great to catch up with you. Um, yeah, I know we'd been chatting about it for a little bit, so great to have you on. Obviously you're welcome back anytime. Good to see you and we'll catch you. Will you be at spring training at all? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be out in Arizona for spring training. Cool. The one thing, one thing about, uh, the compensation for GMs and president of baseball ops, I mean, honestly, it kind of makes sense that they're getting paid the way at the level that they are, because, they're basically the head of a multi-billion dollar corporation. So like 
the people that are at that spot in other in other industries get compensated like that or more. So it kind of makes sense. And then the fact that managers are getting paid more, I think that's that's huge. Craig Council kind of setting the bar there in Chicago. I think that's huge. But um, you know, we're talking about billion dollar industries, like or billion dollar organizations, and we we zoom out and see it like that. I mean, like what they're getting paid, it makes complete sense because you know I spoke to Sam Fold and he's like, hey, like this is nonstop. If you enter the front office full time and give it your all, it's nonstop. You don't sleep. You're gonna miss some family events. Um, it just is what it is. But if you want to be great, like that's what you have to put into it. So I think the compensation is on par. I agree. They're earning their keep. I mean, they're CEOs. This, that's the way I look at it. They're CEOs. You could say the owner is the owner's like the investor, right? Like that's the, the money. The CEO who's running everything around the team pretty much is the head of the front office there. So I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, those dudes don't sleep. They work freaking every day. We give them shit when it's like Christmas Eve and they sign a player, but you know what they're doing. They're missing family time to sign a player. So I'm with you, man. Great catching up with you. Good to see you. Uh, and hopefully we'll catch you in Arizona. Otherwise back on here at some point. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. Appreciate you. See you, Chris. Chris Archer with us on FT live. That was great. Good stuff. Obviously. Yeah. At a young age. Do you guys remember that? Like, he, he was on um, ESPN a few times and, you know, we had him on when I was doing some games in my old gig. And I mean, he was good. I was like, it was, you know, part of this conversation where I'm like, we need more people to speak like this because it's more relatable and he's young and cool. So it fits, but good stuff. He, he, he joined the right team this offseason too. <laughs> you might get a ring out of it. That's fair.